You are listening to New City Servant Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep into God's Word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of His kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. I brought some documents with me and um, just want to share a few of these documents with you. Um, this, uh, this document is uh, my, my instruction manual for my Canon printer. Um, but because my Canon printer is working really well now, I, I really don't need to look at this manual right now, so I can put that away. The Whirlpool refrigerator, that's been working well, although I did have to consult this because I needed to change the water filter. Uh, well, I couldn't figure it out even by looking. I had to still call my friend Will to come and change it, but he knew what to do. But at least I could follow him by reading the, the manual. And then um, we have uh, our air conditioning has been working fine, so I really don't need to look at that manual. Um, maybe I might if, if I run into a problem. Um, the granite countertops in our kitchen. There are no scratches. There's no, no problem there, so I really don't need to, to look uh, at that either. Um, here's, uh, here's the instruction manual for uh, the stereo set, but this is not even mine. It's my parents' stereo set, and it's in their apartment, so I really don't need that manual. I'm saving it for them in case they have a problem. Um, and then Mr. Coffee. Uh, I'm a f strictly French press guy, push, you know, down. Uh, so I don't even uh, need this one, but I keep it around. I think mom and dad have the Mr. Coffee, so in case. And so those are all my uh, manuals. Oh, yeah, and there's one other manual. Uh, oh, I've got this thing. It's called the Holy Bible. And, um, but, you know, I mean, I'm having some troubles now, so I'm going to probably look through and see if I can find a, a verse somewhere that feels good, feels like it's probably related to my problem. Uh, if I like it, you know, I might try to follow it. And, but then once I get out of that uh, problem, that jam that I'm in, uh, thankfully I probably won't need this much anymore either, so I can put that away. And um, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much good to go. Um, now, you obviously know there's something wrong with that picture. But I do wonder if there are believers who have their Bible safely kept with the other manuals, and I will turn to it if I have to, as a last resort. <laughs> If I can't figure things out for myself, I'm going to go to the Bible. But since I'm so unfamiliar with the Bible, how it's put together, how it presents itself, what God intends for me to learn from my Bible, I'm going to just play a little Russian roulette with my Bible. And I'm going to look through and, and, gosh, that verse looks interesting. I don't know the context. I don't know where it came from, why it's even in the Bible. But it sure has a religious feel to it. And so I'm going to read that and try to get some religious feelings. And then I'm going to 
um, say, okay, that's good, and then close it and carefully put it away. Um, well, there's got to be a better way to read Scripture. Um, there has got to be a better way to appreciate God's Word. We've been studying, we've had this series on the normal Christian life, and the normal Christian thing is to avidly read and follow God's Word. That's God's intention for us, not to treat it as a manual that we occasionally break out when things are going bad, but as a daily food for our lives. And so in order to get you excited or re-energized about the Word of God, as we now read it and God has saved it for us in the Bible, I'm going to use kind of an illustration, a continuing illustration of a tidal wave. And that's where I came up with the, the idea about our reading Scripture really is catching the wave because the Scripture is moving. God is on the move. And the Scripture is not a static book. It is not like a manual for a refrigerator where you just have the interchanging of parts. But the Holy Scripture is what the Bible itself says is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit is moving out into the world. And I'm going to use as an illustration a tidal wave. We're not just catching any wave, we're catching a tidal wave. Because a tidal wave uh, starts way out in the middle of the ocean. And what's so fascinating about a tidal wave is that you could be sitting in a little rowboat out in the middle of the ocean and a tidal wave could go by. And you know what you would do? That would be it. That was a tidal wave? Oh, yes, it was a tidal wave. Because the power of that wave, the power of the water, was going down thousands of feet under the surface. What we felt on the surface as a little bump was if you could follow the power of that all the way down, would have been absolutely incredible. Well, what happens when that power and that water keeps moving closer to shore, well, we know that the shore, you know, it's going like this and it's getting closer and closer. And so as that power is moving, surging forward, the water can't go down into the ground. Where is that water going to go? It's going to go higher and higher in the air. And by the time it gets to the shore, there's no more place for the water to go except straight up and then crashing down on the shore. And then we know that that water doesn't just crash down, but it keeps moving. It moves inland, and it moves everything in its path. Well, that's what God's Word is doing. The tidal wave of God's Word goes right back to the beginning, back to the beginning of history, back to creation itself. And then as it moves into history, as God's Word moves in, God starts working in the hearts of men and women that were called the prophets, and He starts speaking to them. And they speak the Word of God to their generation, but preparing the world for the coming of the Lord. And then the water 
the power of the word is getting closer to our own day. Up to this point, we're still a little bit, yeah, okay, I can sort of be excited about reading that God created the world through his word, and I can sort of be interested if, if I was loved history enough. I could love the fact that he spoke to the prophets of old, but that is so long ago. You know, how am I supposed to get excited about that now? But now Jesus, I'm, I can start to get excited about him, and the Bible says that he is the living word, become a man, and so the tidal wave is really coming up to the shore of our lives. The cross is going to come crashing into our life. And now after the birth, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Word of God, Jesus doesn't just crash on the shore and say, okay, I've, I've made provision for your sins, you're purified, all is said and done. But the power of Jesus' gospel moves inland, moves into time, moves right up to our own day. And now it's the Spirit that picks up the Word and brings it right into our life. And so God forces us to care about what's in the Bible. Because if we don't care about what's in the Bible, we're missing out on God's plan, and we're going to be left behind, and we're going to be wondering, what was all the fuss about? But then we're going to be seeing God moving out farther into history until Jesus comes again. Now, you may not be reading about God very much at all, reading about Him in the Bible. But I have news from you, for you from the Bible. God is reading you. It's not a one-way street. Well, if I read about God, fine. If I don't read about God, I'll get to it tomorrow. Well, that may be our side of it, but God is always reading us. The Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates into the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. It says actually that we stand with no clothes on before God because He's the one to whom we have to give account. But what's neat about God is that you don't have to be in the dark about what God is reading about you, what God is thinking about you. He invites you, by reading Scripture, to know what He thinks about you. He doesn't keep that a secret. He says, when my children read my Word, they'll find out exactly what I think about them, how much I absolutely adore them and love them and cherish them. And so now, as the wave, the tidal wave of God's Word pushes inland, pushes right up into our own lives, we find that Scripture is actually our story. It's, the Bible is not a novel with fictional characters long forgotten. You are written into the story. Wouldn't it be neat if you um, were reading and, uh, the Stars, Star Wars movies or Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, and you found that, lo and behold, there I am in the story. They've got, they've got Gordon's name in there, and there he is, 
the, the author has come up with some cool sword for him, and he's got a role in, in the story. Well, that's not going to happen. That's all, it was all fiction. But God has written you into his story. And your life is caught up in the wave of what God is doing through his word. And that's simply what I want to inspire and encourage you with today. That you're going to go out of here saying, I want to catch that wave. I want to get into that word. I want to get into that story because it's God's story, but he's written me into it. Now, I want to backtrack just a little bit to see if we can't ride this scripture wave all the way to shore. So I've been talking, thinking this week a lot about the waves of the word. And that first wave that we catch is at creation. And we began our worship service with it. We've already read it, which is really neat. Uh, Psalm 33, 6 that says, The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it came into being. He commanded, and it came into existence. That's God's beginning of the universal story. It begins with his word. God speaks, and brother, sister, it happens exactly the way God wants it to. So in the book of Hebrews, we read in chapter 11, uh, by faith, uh, we understand that the universe was created. I'm going to wait on Hebrews 1 just for a moment. Uh, but the, Hebrews 11, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. If you were there, you couldn't see God because he's invisible. You couldn't see his word, but you, should, you would sure see the results immediately. So we go w right back to the beginning of all things, to creation itself. And then I did say uh, that God picks up the story now with men and women called prophets uh, in the Old Testament. We call the Old Testament within the Christian church. And now we could, uh, the Hebrews, one you see, long ago. That's why it seems so boring to us. But I guarantee it's not boring when you get into the story. But long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him, the son, Jesus, heir of all things, and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You read these wonderful, powerful verses in, um, of, of the prophets in the Old Testament. One of the, my favorites is Isaiah chapter 55. God said this to Isaiah for him to tell the people. My word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. As parents, don't we wish that we could speak and our words wouldn't come back empty? 
we speak and they come back, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pout. I'm going to brood. I'm going to flop on the floor. But God speaks, and even if we brood about it, he still is going to prosper in what he sends it to do. Here's a fascinating verse to show you what the apostle St. Peter thought about these prophets as they picked up the word of God. In 1 Peter 1, verse 10, it says, concerning this salvation, your salvation in Jesus Christ, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, they searched and carefully investigated. They inquired. They started talking, dialoguing with God. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was showing them when He testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. I hope you can get excited about reading God's Word in the Old Testament because the story of Jesus is there. That's what Peter is saying. The prophets, when they wrote, were testifying to the sufferings and the glory of Jesus. But they didn't know exactly where it was going to happen, when it was going to happen. They're constantly saying to God, please let us know what's going on, Lord. The Spirit was stirring them up. But they didn't live to see it. They couldn't see it until Jesus came. So all these prophets spoke long ago, but then God said, all that preparation work is done. Now I am ready to come on the scene myself. And my son, Jesus Christ, who is the exact nature of God, who is filled with all my holiness, all my love, all my power, he is going to come And he's going to be the pivot of all of history, the pivot of existence. All of the promises, Paul says, are yes in Christ. In basketball, which is my favorite sport, though I can't play it anymore at my age, but nonetheless, I enjoy watching a good game. They used to talk about the tall guy in the middle, the center. I don't know if they use this term much anymore, but they would talk about the the guy in the pivot. Because he would stand close to the foul line and he would turn out this way to get the ball from the guard. He would turn, he would pivot, he would turn, and he would pass off to someone else. So he's, he's going in two, or she is going in two directions, this, this pivot person. And I say Jesus, the Word of God, is the pivot man of history. Because we've already read that through Christ the Word of God, the original creation came into existence. So the world that you're sitting in right now and enjoying and the air that you're breathing is thanks to Jesus. But it also says that He is the Lord, His Word is going to be the Lord of renewal of this creation. The new creation and the new earth that we're going to enjoy is also thanks to Jesus. So there he is, standing in right here, right now, holding the original creation, holding the future, the renewal together. And what does the, the Bible say? It says that uh, 
he is sustaining or holding together all things by his powerful word. That's just saying that everything depends on Jesus. The original creation, the future renewal of creation, creation existence right now, everything is held together by the power of Jesus' word. And while he's doing that, he's not just focusing all his attention as though he's using up, he has to use up all of his strength just to keep this world going. Oh, he has got so much power that not only is he keeping all of the universe going and preparing a new place for us, but he also has plenty of power to spare to speak new life into dead souls. And he's able to redeem and renew a people who are going to live with him in that renewed creation. We read, Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 24, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and it's here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's talking there about the spiritually dead. He's not yet, later in that passage, he talked about the, the physically dead hearing the word, the voice of Jesus and coming out of the graves. But here he's saying when the spiritually dead, in other words, when all of us in our natural state, when, when we hear that word of the Lord, we rise up and we believe and we entrust ourselves to the Lord and his word. That's the greatness of Jesus. That's why the tidal wave has reached the shore and it just comes crashing into history. And Jesus crashes the smug party that's going on in humanity, acting as though we don't need Jesus. But Jesus says, oh, I'm going to crash that party, but I'm going to crash it not with judgment, I'm going to give them a chance to have life. I'm going to crash it with grace. I love what Mary sang about her son at his birth announcement, how Jesus just crashes us. He feeds the hungry, but the proud he sends away empty. That's Jesus needing to crash in to our lives. Now we know, I've already said that the, the tidal wave, the water doesn't just crash at the shore, but it continues massively inland. And so too, Jesus doesn't just stop at the cross saying, okay, I've made purification for sin. I'll wait in heaven. We'll let them figure things out for a while until I'm ready to come back. Uh, and then when I'm ready, I'll come back and Whatever state they're in, I'll just find them, but that's okay. I'll clean them up and, and bring them to me. Jesus cannot keep his hands off of you. His word will not leave his people alone. He, will, he loves his body so much, he's saying, okay, I've crashed into human history, and my cross has paid 
for the sins of my people. I've purified a, a whole millions and millions and millions, billions of people I've purified for myself. But now my spirit is going to pick up the story and is going to push right through history. Let me just say here then a little bit of the mechanics, how that happened. Um, you had the Old Testament, the, the scriptures of, of the Jewish people that God used to bless the world, to bring Jesus into the world. And they had written down extremely carefully and had preserved extremely carefully a written word. So the early church had a written word, but it got them all the way up to the announcement of the coming of Jesus, but it didn't get them into Jesus itself, himself. Then you have the early church. So they're reading their Bibles, their Old Testaments, and they're reading all these great prophecies about the coming of the Lord, but they don't have their own written word yet telling them the full story. They're hearing everything orally. Now, because people didn't have books and they were trained to retain ideas, they were great about remembering stories. So for us oftentimes to say, oh, well, you know, it was passed on orally means, uh-oh, immediately total mistakes, totally got the story wrong. No, far from it. People were extremely careful about what they heard. But gradually, Paul, Peter, John, Matthew, all these different folks started writing down the story. They started preserving the story in written form. That's the super advantage that you have over the early church. Because the earliest believers, if they wanted to know something, boy, they had to find the nearest apostle. And there weren't that many of them to go around. And so the apostles are quickly trying to train people to be teachers. Um, but then every time you wanted to know something about the Lord, you'd have to go find this teacher. And then if the teacher was busy or whatever, it's like, yeah, can you see me on Friday on that? Let's, let's do lunch. Okay, and then come with all of your questions. That can be very frustrating. But as the Bible started getting written down and spreading around the churches, whoa, now our church could have a copy. And then, of course, everything fabulously breaks loose when movable type gets invented in, in the 1400s and Gutenberg Bible comes out. And then all of a sudden, the Word of God is going all around the world, being translated into thousands of languages. What a tremendous advantage we have now that the story of Jesus was, in, was written down, inspired by the Spirit of Jesus. And so what began for the early church where they said this salvation had its beginning when it was spoken by the Lord and it was confirmed to us who heard Him. You see how you had to be an apostle to hear it and then to pass it on? But now we have the Word written. Now, of course, we need pastors and teachers to help us to understand us, understand it. That's why we have John here um, who and others, who, the guest preachers who come in and, and they're studying it and uh, preaching it. But the main idea is that all believers were supposed to get their own understanding of the written word 
for themselves and for their congregation. Now this is where you start to come into the story more directly. This is where we catch the wave of Scripture. Why do I say that? Well, it's because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and we as a community at New City Fellowship, we are the people that are described this way in the book of Hebrews. You are the ones who taste God's good word and the powers of the coming age. Let me repeat that. You taste God's good word when you're reading it, praying over it, when we're studying it together. That's what he means. We're tasting the good word. But that word is coming to us from the Holy Spirit. And the writer says, that spirit living in you, teaching you from the word, is giving you a taste of the powers of the coming age. Believers live in the word of God's kingdom in the present and in the future at the same time. That can feel like science fiction. I'm in the present, but I'm also in the future. Yes. Believers reading, studying God's Word, filled with the Spirit, are in the present and in the future simultaneously. You are tasting God's good Word, and you're tasting the powers of the coming age. You say, well, how in the world can that be? It's because the Spirit is taking the tidal wave of Jesus, all that He did in history, all the purification that He did, all the love that He showed, all the examples He gave us. He's taking it and pouring it into our lives right now so that we can live it. But He's also saying, hey, don't keep your head down and only think about this world because the Spirit says, I am the Lord of the Spirit. I mean, Lord of the future as well. You're, what you're tasting of me now, the excitement, the unity you have in the body of Christ, that feeling, that sense of forgiveness, that sense of excitement, the, the sense that I belong to something that's big, that's meaningful, that's going somewhere, that's the future. That's what God has in store for you, and you're experiencing it now. We have a foot firmly planted in the present and a foot firmly planted in the future. We're living in these two dimensions simultaneously. I grant that the future dimension is pretty hazy, right? Okay, I'm not trying to say that we're walking around seeing angels and, and so forth. But I am saying that we are tasting something of the future. And it's coming to us as we read God's Word. Now, as I wrap up my study this morning, I want to try to be a little bit practical here. Um, and talk about how do you live in God's Word. If, uh, Rita, if you can find the Hebrews 10 uh, passage. I know I, I didn't follow them exactly as I had them, given them to her, but they're good. Thank you. I'm glad we can have expert help in the house. Yeah. Um, so there are three... Three um, commands that I want to pick up from this, but let me just read it first. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, 
he has inaugurated for us a new living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near our first command. Say it with me. Draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart, full of full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on, second command, hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out, third command, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Through the regular reading and thinking and dwelling in the Word of God, we're going to be able to draw near, hold on, and watch out. And if I can just get you to memorize those three things when you leave, those three little commands from the Lord, as you're thinking about your Christian walk today, I'm going to draw near, I'm going to hold on, and I'm going to watch out. I'm going to draw near, the Scripture says, for this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. The, you notice how the, the Bible doesn't say that you're gonna, your big problem is going to be an instant, flat-out refusal. God's going to say something to you in the Word, and I'm going to say, no, absolutely not. I categorically refuse. We're not going to do that. I mean, if you're sensitive to God, you're probably not going to do that. Our problem as believers is drift. He'll use the word uh, later of neglect. Neglecting to meet together. Neglecting to read the word. That's my deadly problem. Neglect and drift. One day leads to two. Two days leads to a week. A week leads to a month. And I haven't really given the word any serious in-depth thought and, and reading. I've not asked questions of my pastor or my friends. Uh, I've not rejoiced in Bible study or whatever. Uh, that's drift. That's neglect. And it can be deadly. So the Scripture says, though, that we draw near as we read about Jesus in the Scriptures. We draw near to Him with our faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, because we've been washed in the pure water, who is Jesus Christ Himself. And then we're going to hold on. We're going to hold on, the, the Scripture says, to the confession of our hope. Now, that confession means you have to know what the content of the Christian faith is, right? I mean, it would be, it, it just would be ludicrous. I've been a career missionary working in Africa, and it would be ludicrous to go into a, a village in Africa and just instantly out of the blue say, believe in Jesus. And then the people say, okay, we believe in Jesus. Oh, good. Whew, now they're followers. Now they're real believers. 
Obviously, there's something hugely wrong with that, that picture. They need content. They need to have, know what the meaning of who Jesus is, what their need is, on and on. So when he says, hold on to your confession, he's saying, hold on to the content of your faith. But how can you hold on to the content of the faith, which is found in the Bible, when you don't read the Bible? Any more than I could fix a refrigerator or a Mr. Coffee or an air conditioner just by going, let me just go in there with some hammers and some screwdrivers and I'm just going to poke around and, and hope for the best. I, if, if I was a technician, I would study, I'd study the manual, I'd find out what is this thing. And then, then I'd go in and care, do a careful search, and I'd figure out what was wrong, and then I'd do a careful search as to how to fix it. I would really study. And that's how we hold on as a church and as an individual to the content. We study Scripture. And then finally, we watch out. We're watching out for each other. We're caring enough about each other to, love, to provoke, to encourage. That's a strong word, but to love and good works not neglecting to gather together. Now again, you encourage one another, you watch out for one another when you know from the Word what God wants of us, how we can encourage one another. You want to be able to have something to say to another believer. Can you imagine a dear sister comes and shares, her heart is broken, she's asking really good, profound questions, and you've got nothing to say because you have not read the Bible in so long, you have forgotten. You, you don't even know where the Lord's Prayer is. You don't know the Sermon on the Mount. You, you, you've got nothing to say because there's just nothing there. But we want to fill our minds with Scripture, with God's Word. We want the tidal wave of the Spirit to wash over us. And so watch out. Paul says to the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another. How? Through psalms, through hymns, through spiritual songs. Yea, worship team. That's why we have worship leaders, because they're leading us into psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, because as we address one another, as we admonish and encourage one another, that's why this, the content of our songs is Scripture. That's why we bend over backwards. We're not making stuff up. We're not trying to find the most trivial little jingles. We're digging to find the content of Scripture so we can sing it to each other. Because as we do so, we're singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Believers, you are in the story today because you are in Jesus' family. Jesus said, My mother... And my brothers are those who hear and do the Word of God. So we all yearn for New City Fellowship uh, to be a normal church with normal members. And this is how the book of Acts describes a normally growing church. Quote, the Word of God flourished and multiplied. It's interesting. It, it rarely ever says the church got bigger. On several occasions, Luke, the author, says the Word of God flourished and multiplied. It's because where the Word of God is loved and is active among God's people, 
poof, there's life, there's growth, there's flourishing. So how can it flourish in the whole church if it doesn't flourish in every member? You know, desire, all kinds of desire is infectious. I read an article this week by a philosopher from Belgium, and he, he talked about how our, you think your desires are coming up out of your own mind and heart. He said, we are so infected by other people's desires. The whole advertising world is premised on somebody else's desires coming into your mind and creating need, creating yearning, creating desire. Well, that works in a positive way, too. When a church body starts desiring the Word, gets excited about Scripture, that becomes infectious, and, and we all start catching it. So I want you to catch the wave of the Word. I want you to go right back to the very beginning and marvel at the Word of creation. I'd like you to go back and trace God's plan in the Old Testament through the prophets. I'd love for you to stagger at the love and grace of the Word made man, Jesus Christ, who made purification for sins. And I'd love for you to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Read some of it every day. Talk about that Word with other believers. Ask questions. Get answers. Bring it into your daily conversations. If you have a smartphone, you've got a Bible. You are never far from your Bible. But even if you don't have a smartphone, then we, we still have these old-fashioned things called books, which is great to have. And every one of you needs one of those as well. And so if you don't have a Bible, New City Fellowship promises to get you one. And I'll back that promise. I will get a Bible to New City Fellowship, and we will get it to you if you don't. Don't let the wave pass you by. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, excite us with the wonder of the power of your word as we pray in Jesus' name and to his honor and glory. Amen.